her away. If she didn't get hold of herself, she was going to faint. A few deep breaths would be helpful, but the corset ensuring her 18-inch waist wasn't going to allow for that. She closed her eyes in a vain attempt to hold back the tears. You don't dare go home, and you don't dare stay here. An axle in need of grease squealed as another carriage pulled up to the curb, this one drawn by a perfectly matched team of black geldings. Their coats glistening, their manes plated with red ribbons, the horses tossed their heads and stamped their great hooves. As the driver called out to calm the team, a coachman hopped down from his perch, but he was too late to open the door for his fare. One glimpse of the wild-looking man emerging from the polished carriage, and Caroline swiped at her tears, snapped open her gold silk parasol, and bent down to pick up her black traveling case. You'll make a scene if you faint right now, and the ladies of Mulberry Plantation never make a scene. The ladies of Mulberry Plantation didn't associate with the kind of men emerging from that carriage either. Lifting her chin, Caroline headed toward the station, lest one of them offer to escort her up the hill. The last thing she needed today was to have to extricate herself from the unwanted attentions of some dandy dressed up like a poor imitation of Wild Bill Hickok. Wild Bill Hickok, indeed. Grateful to be thinking about something besides home, she almost smiled at the memory of Thomas, one of the Jameson servants, and the ridiculous hat he'd sported for weeks after seeing Hickok and Buffalo Bill on stage. A hat just like the ones on the heads of the men climbing out of the newly arrived carriage. Only these men didn't look ridiculous. They looked dangerous. Caroline peered back at them from beneath the edge of her parasol, even as she made her way up the hill. The tall one had a certain appeal, if a woman liked that kind of man. Caroline did not. With every step away from the street and toward the station, her doubt and fear receded. She could do this. After all, it was the only thing that made any sense. No one was coming to rescue her. It was time she rescued herself. Painting walls and hanging pictures don't make a barn into a home, Mama. Ella Barton looked away from her own face in the mirror just long enough to catch her mother's eye. A barn is still a barn. Shaking her head, she untied the new bonnet. I'm sorry, I just can't. You were sweet to buy it, but I look ridiculous. She put the stylish bonnet back into the open bandbox sitting atop the dresser. We'll return it on the way to the station. We will not return it. Mama snatched it up and ran her hand along the upturned brim. She smoothed the nosegay of iridescent feathers just peeking out of the grain ribbon that bordered the crown. It's beautiful. Did I say it wasn't? Ella turned her back on the mirror. The problem is not the hat. Gently, she extracted the bonnet from her mother's grasp 
and nestled it back into the box. The old one is better. It suits me. She settled the lid on the bandbox. What do I need with a new hat, anyway? I hardly think they parade the latest fashions up and down the street in Coyote, Nebraska. Maybe not, Mama said. But you can bet there will be a parade when we all arrive. Everyone says women are in short supply out west. That means you can expect a parade of bachelors coming into Coyote as soon as word gets out about the Emigration Society's arrival. Ella crossed the room to where their two traveling cases lay open on the lumpy mattress. And they will see me as I am and leave me be. Even if I were interested, which I am not, a new bonnet wouldn't change anything. She finished folding.